say hi or something, you usually do your little... Sometimes I do. Hi. <laughs> there you <All> right. <laughs> yeah, that's why I gave the uh, air to you. <laughs> I'm just thinking about my throat. Yeah, man. I was about to say, sore throat guy didn't come in for his uh, bit. Like, where is he? <laughs> Are you recording again? Okay. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> or whatever it's called. Yeah. Oh, God, I hate saying X so much. Oh, I just hate it. That was the worst it's decision so he made was to change the name of it. Because tweet has become synonymous with yeah, an action. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's like, what is it now? What am I doing? Xing, I guess. Am I, I don't know. <laughs> like, it just sounds dumb as hell. It sounds dirty. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and I don't want to say it. That's that's why I just said Twitter. Like, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. say X. Yeah. Make sure the music is muted. Yes. All right, all right, all right. Exactly. Is that the mood? You got the set, uh, the silky set. the silky voice over there. Yeah. I can't do that. Set the mood with Matthew McConaughey. <clears throat> uh, did you like this? Isn't going to be you know the main topic, but I guess today's episode is going to talk about uh, blue chips, key items, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you see on eBay we had our first Super Mario Bros. sale of the year, factory sealed? Oh, you know what? I saw a post about it, but I don't think I looked at what it sold for okay yeah so uh 9.2a oval seal late print copy uh i guess i'll ask you do you think it matters when we talk about these really late prints uh tm oval versus r oval do you think that matters personally i don't really care if you're getting oval seal you know oval seal you know you're like compromising anyway (laughs) (laughs) okay that's kind of where i don't want to i don't want to be like douchey about it but you know you're kind of like I'm buying an oval seal. Yeah, the TM I believe does have a much smaller pop number on it, but yeah, I, I guess you don't have the absolute last print. Is you know, yeah. I have I'll, a TM. You know, honestly, I, I think if you look at it, if you're a buyer and someone's like, "Oh, this is you know this versus this," and you're looking at the very latest prints, I don't think you're going to be like willing to pay that much of a premium for. That, that, one okay, notch okay. earlier you know that's how i feel as well when we're talking like 11th versus 12th print yeah does it really yeah like, are we and to be honest too i think like third fourth fifth print like if you have next to each other unless there's a huge population difference between the two i don't think that will affect you know a buyer's price as well so for myself looking at like black box or mario games mm-hmm. um i do it like hard variants so it's like we have the matte sticker mm-hmm. we have uh gloss sticker yeah then we have hang tab prints and yeah. that includes three four five and six i believe mm-hmm. in which case like you said i don't think there's going to be a lot of like it's still a hang tab print mm-hmm. maybe third fourth you can you know you might <clears> see <throat> some premiums get pushed but they're all hang yeah. tab prints then you go non-hang tab then you go ovals yeah that's yeah. kind of how i see it yeah i think so only and unless you have like you know there's only one third print or you know i, I think one the seventh is tab. like super rare or something yeah so, i'm pretty sure the dentist has talked about it a few times like the, the seventh print is <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. that's the one that yeah are you I, gonna be able to sell that i i'm skeptical as a buyer i'm like who cares like if i was you know looking to buy something like that yeah that's kind of how i see it too i just wanted to check because some people you know are really like oh it's a tm the tm print like yeah I don't know. Not for me. Yeah. But the point is, I digress. <laughs> and I'm the, supposed to care why. <laughs> <laughs> gets 11th print, bro. Like, mm-hmm. um, the reason I bring it up, though, it was a TM print that sold. So it wasn't the absolute last print, but, you know, yeah. close enough. Close, yeah. It sold for about $12,000, which actually puts it right in line with some earlier 2023 sales, mm-hmm. which is honestly pretty solid. And yeah. bring into 2024, uh, just for it to be hanging in there. Yeah. Like, not, not more... Um, 
<laughs> not more depression, not more depreciate depression. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> it kind of fits. Yes. Not more depreciation, I mean, on uh, Mario Bros. Right. But you kind of do see with these uh, more key gear grades, high, yeah, blue chip key titles. Yeah. If I want to adopt every terminology from comics, because mm-hmm. we're going to talk about comics today anyway. Yeah. So. I don't know. You know, if you're looking at the landscape and you want to buy a sealed Mario that's relatively affordable, it's not like you have a ton of options. No, I, I'm I'm very much so. Like, I want to buy one. Yeah. I will be buying an oval print. I know that. Yeah. I know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you go into even a Circle Seal Reve non-hang tab, yeah. uh, it's like 5Xs in price. Yeah. I, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even afford the one that just sold for 12000 Yeah, it's a big price. It is. For sure. But, yeah. you know, you get those keys. Those are probably the safest thing you can buy. Like, probably. Yeah. Dare I say. Yeah. I think if you're going to buy like a quintessential NES game yeah, to you like, just, you know, stick in your collection for the long term. Yeah. Sealed Mario is pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And it's higher pop, which doesn't, I don't know. It, I'm so not like, I used to really, really care about rarity and pop and everything. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I'd rather have demand. Like that demand just matters so much more. Right. Well, Mario isn't that low of pop and it's like, yeah, there'll always be people who want to buy it. Yeah. And before it was really speculative like before you had pop reports oh for you know, sure you were just relying on third hand second hand information on what was actually out there so mm-hmm. this, i think there's more mystique about it you know now it's like you know for sure or more accurately what is probably out there because of what's been graded oh absolutely absolutely yeah. and i mean people always knew ovals were available mm-hmm. i just think it's more of a, okay maybe we have 300 ovals not 3000 <clears throat> right but you know it's still relatively speaking one of the highest population games that exist. Yeah. I just don't think it matters. Yeah. Welcome into another episode of Greg's Weekend Rental Podcast. I'm Greg, of course, joined as always by Jeremy. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. On the topic of blue chip sales here, amazing sales as we enter into 2024, we got to talk about the amazing Spider-Man that just sold probably seven days ago now, eight days, nine, I don't know. We missed that week, so it's, yeah. it's it was a week ago. <laughs> amazing Spider-Man number one, 9.8. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on any of these details here. I'm pretty sure this is the only time a 9.8 uh, Amazing Spider-Man one has come to market. I believe so. Publicly, at least, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. So, sold at open auction, 9.8 from the Curator Pedigree Collection. It, it, this book has it all. Sold for $1.38 million. Yeah. Setting a brand new record for The Amazing Spider-Man. Prior to this sale, a 9.6 of the same book had sold at Hakes, I believe, of all places. I'm not very good with video games, but they still absolutely clean up with comics, toys, and stuff. Mm -hmm. Hakes sold a 9.6, of which there are five, for $520,000. And take it for what you will. I was, when I was researching, doing some stuff, there's rumblings on Reddit. People are saying it wasn't actually paid. I don't know how to confirm or deny that. You know, they're saying abandoned sale or something. Hmm. I don't know. We'll assume it got paid. $520,000 was the record price. Now we're looking at $1.38 million for the 9.8. And this is Amazing Spider-Man 1. Yeah. So that is the first of Spider-Man getting his own comic. Yes. But Spider-Man actually first appeared, Amazing Fantasy 15. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking the $1.38 million here is incredible... The actual record for a Spider-Man book, uh, Amazing Fantasy 15, 9.6 sold in 2021, kind of at the height of the bubble 
for 3.6 million. Yeah. And no 9.8s exist of that. Like mm -hmm. 9.6 is the best you can do yeah. with Amazing Fantasy 15. I do know that because those copies have been in the city before. What? Like the 9.6 and stuff? Yeah. We had them at a convention or where? No. Well, collector. Sorry, what? Collector uh, here. Uh, 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 <laughs> ooh, uh. Yeah. This was pre, probably pre-2000. Yeah. Um, where? How? Why? Well. Who? Um, Is well, it you? No. Okay. My, my old teacher uh, was one of the biggest comic collectors in the world now he collects pulps oh my god but he had the nine six the nine four you know before people were even grading these things so they were all raw at the time that what what year would that have been uh, i think he got the top one in the 80s he bought it in the 80s oh my god raw yeah <laughs> yeah so this city has seen some that's insane major uh comics pass through because i mean even in i was just when i was doing my price history research to make sure i got that element <clears throat> i was seeing in 23 no 2003 sorry mm -hmm. on heritage auctions uh amazing spider-man one mm -hmm. i believe it was a 9.6 sold for almost hundred thousand dollars still now i don't know what amazing fantasy 15 might have been worth in the 80s but if he had a nine six nine four copy of these beautiful copies, like he still had to be paying out for them. He paid a lot. <laughs> yeah, okay. For sure. Yeah. I mean, at, I believe at the time it was even considered a very high amount. But like, are we talking fifty thousand? Or no, we... definitely not. Okay. Things okay. were not that crazy okay. back then. Yeah. I figured it wasn't that wild, but I figured it had to have some yeah level of bulk still. Yeah, because... and you're really relying on uh, firsthand knowledge of these books because there's no no grading at the time. It was just, you know, kind of people determining condition. There was no set standards. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you is... really had to know that you were getting a great book, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess... You really had to be deep. I guess, was pressing taking place back then? You know, I don't know. Um, I don't know when that was an advent. I don't know, because the, the actual, like, techniques used are old machines, mm -hmm. like T-shirt presses. So I'm sure the technology did exist for sure. <laughs> I don't know if anyone we're nerds already using it. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, fair enough. That is crazy to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like really crazy. I mean, yeah. comic collecting is cool. I kind of wish I had done it more, or like I, I got into it at all, because mm -hmm. I really do love it. Even though I never read comics, never read comics, um, it's freaking cool. Yeah, they just look amazing. Yeah, just it's know. just cool. Yeah. Like the origin, it's just cool. Yeah, but on that, so the nine point eight Spider Man won one point three eight million, right? Mm -hmm. That is part of a pedigree called the Curator Collection. Yes. Because of that, it is extremely easy to track the book because it is part of... Uh, there's only two 9.8s. We'll start right there. And only five 9.6s. So the nine, the 9.8 Curator Collection book that just sold back in 2016, the exact same book. And again, right, it's easy to do this because it's a Curator Collection. The pedigree holds. But the exact same book sold for 263000 The big difference is, though... When it sold for that in 2016, the book was a 9.6, mm -hmm. not a 9.8. Does that matter? Well, I, I, it kind of blows me away, I guess, to yeah. see. I, I know that, you know, pressing exists, and we're going to talk about more about these different, uh, what is restoration versus what isn't, what should or shouldn't happen. But a 9.6 becomes a 9.8, and apparently it was sometime in 2022. It was hmm. regraded into a 9.8. Mm -hmm. Does that matter? It's really tough. I mean, when you get to these upper grades, usually what's what's really determining the difference between a 9.6 versus a 9.8 is something incredibly minor and often reversible. You know, unless it unless it has a color breaking spine tick, 
like a really minimal one that you can't fix without getting a restoration label. But if you have an incredibly minor crease on the spine that does not break the color, that can be corrected without intrusively um, interfering with the book, really. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, assumedly it was pressed uh, or <laughs> whatever. Yes. From, what I, from what I understand, the owner um, took the book to the chief creator and they had a look over and said, like, is there anything we can do to improve the appeal of it that's what i understand probably what happened yeah it just it's funny when you say that right it's like oh I, I took the most expensive book and i took it straight to the chief grader well and exactly said, hi what you can know, i do you're not, to increase the value by five times you're yeah. not going to i mean it's speculative no one knows what it's going to sell for in a nine eight yeah so you know even if you get the nine eight it's like maybe it's 400 not 200 you know no one knew what it was going to sell for but if you, no one's going to crack that book yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. If I owned that book, of course, I would go right to the person who knew and be like, hey, is there anything we can, you know, like, is there anything non-restorative we can do to this book to get it better? And that's often what happens with these very top grade things. I know. I know. And I feel like the same thing probably does happen in video games. Mm -hmm. We talk about these because of course it does. I mean, I mean <laughs> it's no different than cleaning the uh, seal on a game. You know, that increases the IPL. And hey, the for grade. sure. I just mean even going and working, almost working directly with the grading company yeah. to create the outcome. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There, yeah. There's a certain organic uh, RNG that takes place. If you send something in blind, raw, you well, get the grade. Like When you're dealing with a pedigree, there's nothing going to be blind or raw about that. It, you, know, you know exactly what you're dealing with. You're going to be, you know who owns it, most likely. You know, something, if you're, if you're, I would say if you're dealing with a book like that that doesn't have a pedigree, it's a new copy to market. Yeah, sure. Then do you think any books like that even go through organically raw? Like if someone's coming, you know, very rarely. I know, I know people who have found like, like a Hulk one eighty one in a in a pile of comics, and it ended up being like a nine eight. Okay, so that does happen. I don't think it. I don't know of any stories offhand recently that it that it's happened. Yeah, it's like, it just feels like one of those things where if you come across one, you know, worth maybe a hundred thousand plus. Yeah, you're probably going to get a not special treatment, but you know what I mean. It's gonna everyone's going to know it's being submitted. You're going to actually go through the process. Yeah, so that it can be maximized, so that it can be, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess just seeing a nine six turn into a nine eight it's i i don't know i don't know it's funny because we have the exact same thing i don't know if you saw in the video games the uh so cgc when they entered in right they had a whole bunch of stuff that was like first time graded first ever n64 game graded or whatever mm -hmm. and it was like one that sticks out to me it was a 9.8 mario kart 64 mm -hmm. that used to be a wad of 9.6 mm -hmm. um of course different scales and stuff uh mm -hmm. you can make arguments <clears throat> but when you see one company give it a nine six and these companies are supposed to parallel each other very, very closely. And it just, boom, there's a nine eight now. And of course it does increase the value. Um, I guess, yeah, I'll ask you that then knowing like, let's talk about the CGC nine eight Mario Kart, knowing that it used to be a nine six, would that affect your desirability of the item? Should it? I mean, they're so close in grade, you know, you're oh, but yeah, they are, but I mean, we both know, nine, I know, six I know. Versus nine, eight is, I know th that, that might totally... be the most important multiplier that exists. Yeah, of course it's totally different, but I mean, you know, you're dealing with such minutia, you know, graders will miss something as we well know, <laughs> as, as we've seen <laughs> from, from that Zelda sitting behind me, <laughs> as we've seen people miss stuff. So, you know, that's why, uh, cracking and resubmitting is a thing because, you know, either they 
you can improve something getting it pressed and resubmitting for possibly a higher grade. I mean, this, you know, the standards are, are meant to be as objective as possible and they go through multiple hands in the grading process. So it's not just, it's not, yeah. I mean, it's not just one guy, you know, looking at this thing and <laughs> we got to get these books out the door. Like, yeah, <laughs> go, yeah. go, go. Yeah. Like the, the chief grader has to have the, uh, the final say, uh, supposedly in this, in this, yeah, everything is like prefaced with the supposedly because yeah. yeah, we we all know the system that's supposed to happen. It's supposed to be you know double blind and double checked, and mm -hmm. it's all supposed to have that in a yeah. perfect world. Yeah, so you hope it's all taking place. Mm -hmm. Um, how hard is a nine eight on an old book? Because like a lot of these don't even exist in nine eight, if I understand correctly. Yeah, um, I know it's in general, it's much more difficult to get top grades in modern stuff. Because there's Pop some grade modern would be like nine nine ten though. Yeah, well even nine eight. Like how? Well, I guess what what's your modern cut line? I think the the standards for for modern books are much more strict because they're much more plentiful and you know there wasn't like Marvel chipping and stuff like okay. there was on older books. I see what books. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So in general, I think the the standards are slightly different for like Silver Age books. Like a bit of leniency, or yeah, just because of the. Um, the quality, like the quality control was not as great. Um, well, yeah, these were organic back then. It wasn't yeah. being, you know, purchased and kept. Exactly. In a, paper, paper <laughs> straight quality. Straight to polymer and. Yeah, exactly. Paper quality is not as great. So, you know, I think the standards have probably changed over time, the more they've seen, you know, and that's, uh, we kind of touched on this before, I think, where we, we talked about, um, what did we say exactly? It's like, you know, like an older label CGC book. Mm-hmm. Mm you generally the grades are much more strict because the company was much newer back then. Are they actually like older CGC labels are stricter? That's the that's the, the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So if you buy like a 94 X-Men, you know, giant size X-Men 1 in the original CGC label, you can probably have that regraded and because the standards are slightly different now. That's it might grade too. higher. The, in, the 2016 sale was using the older CGC label. I did see. Hmm. So so someone probably bought that knowing that there yeah. could be improvement because the standards have changed. Simply through standards themselves. Mm -hmm. oh, it's such a, it's such an interesting thing when it's like, you know, that book used to be this. Yeah. It sold for that. Now it's this, which mm -hmm. means it commands that. Yeah. But I mean, there, you know, we can say command, but the, the idea of grading is not that one commands more of the other. It's just an objective set of standards in theory. You know, we could speculate about this all day, but, you know, I think when we set out to grade something, you're, you're looking, you're trying to look at objective standards about what the visual and structural quality of the book is, whether that has any impact on the prices, you know, secondary. I mean, by, by the label, not the item. That's mm -hmm. the, that's what everyone does. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know, I know the reverse is what people often say by the, by the, uh, the comic or by the card, not yeah. the label, mm -hmm. but you know. We know the label sells. Yeah. Of course it does. The label does sell, but I think you can run into a problem. If, when... you, if you're overgraded to an auspicious amount. Yes. Then yes. Yeah. If it's, if it's like, I think there's a certain probably leniency there, like, you know, a certain grade point away from each other visually. <laughs> yes. Like if you buy a 9A book and you see it has all these spine ticks and you're, you know, that's not a selling point. You're going to, you're probably going to be hit on that in the future. I, I agree. There's certain things that have to pass the eye test. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, and that's, you know, we, we talked about that Zelda Phantom DS there that just got 9.8 A+. Mm -hmm. Didn't pass the eye test. Yeah. 
Like, even if you want to argue, like, oh, it doesn't affect the cover art, and, you know, it's not an actual rip, so it's a scratch. It's just, like, 9.8A+, it does not pass the eye test. Mm -hmm. And I think that, at the baseline level, is what matters most. Mm -hmm. Because everyone can just look at it and be like, like wait a second, why, why does it say the highest grade, almost the highest grade possible? What am I missing? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah I think... I think like both can be true in different scenarios almost. It's like if you're buying for yourself, buy the buy the grade. If you're buying to resell at some point in the future, probably buy the item. <laughs> you know. If you just want those personal bragging rights though, just like buy whatever label you see there. Yeah, if you don't care, if you don't care the monetary value, then sure buy the label, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I feel like it should almost be the reverse of what you stated, where if you're only buying a resell, just buy the label because you could you 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 could probably pawn it off to someone. Unfortunately, well, you know that employs that in, you know or not employs implies you know, shysty behavior. So, <laughs> <laughs> which I personally would never even dream of. <laughs> let me just say, but for other people, um, it just, you do, you do, you're running to the spot where there are going to be new people into the hobby. And if you're buying through a consignment service where it's not the private seller selling it, um, you're, you're going to get burned on some items mm -hmm. if there are overgraded going into circulation. Yeah, for sure. One of the worst things that can happen, honestly, not saying that the uh, Spider-Man that sold is overgraded or anything. That's not the implication I'm making. Mm -hmm. It's just super interesting when we see these ultra high end coveted items that have pedigree that mm -hmm. are known and the curator pedigree is a massive one. it's world class yeah like this guy he was a museum employee <laughs> and he he bought like stacks of the cream of the crop comics for years and stored them in a museum vault oh my flat God. packed so like everything in that collection is as good as you can hope for you had a literal expert yeah uh, yeah collecting a and preservationist yes collecting these not just some Joe Schmo. Is that why it's called the curator? Is that what he was? The yeah, museum curator? He, yes. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it is a very famous pedigree. So, you know, it's a desirable book, um, however you look at it. Yeah, that's interesting, to say the least. Which I guess then we can get into the, uh, the real meat and potatoes of the discussion today then. At what point should restoration or... Not altering, because that's the bad word. You can't mm -hmm. say altering. Yeah. But... <laughs> restoration or changing the condition of this stuff should pressing be allowed i guess i'll start right there is that do you have you've been a comic collector do you have mm -hmm. any qualms with pressing no no i don't i don't have any problem with it because it's just um <clears throat> i mean you know in reality it's all superficial defects that we're dealing with but uh defects that don't that don't necessarily need to be there you know if they don't break any color in the book then yeah, fix it. Why not? Who cares? It's it's not intrusive. Okay. Yeah, it's not trying to hide anything. Is at the end of the day. But it's e not erasing damage. But you know what I mean, like correcting it to yeah. a state that it was no longer in. If that makes sense. Well, yeah, but a state that hasn't permanently done anything. You know, if you're breaking the color or creasing the paper permanently, that you cannot remove unless you professionally restore it. Okay. Then you're trying to hide something, but. I think a superficial crease um, or a roll, a comic roll, a spine roll, you know, that's easily fixed. Well, what's a spine roll just for? So like uh, comics that have not been boarded, if they're stored in a pile, because the spines have the staples and they're thicker there, they will start to develop a curve in the book. So okay. over time, you'll, if you lay that comic flat on a table, it'll have a lifted spine. 
And no is that something you can just press out as well, yeah. like get back to a, yeah, a normal absolutely. state? Yeah. Because I know even with uh, video game collecting now, CIB grading, you can press manuals. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've it's exactly it the same. They're yeah, staple bound. Yeah. I guess I'm asking you this question. I will agree with you there. Pressing is um, allowed. Fine. Whatever. I don't have an issue with it. Yeah. Because we are returning stuff to a state that isn't yeah. altering anything. Yeah. I, so don't, I don't think it's any different than cleaning some dirt off a cellophane seal. Oh, really? You'd say it's like as yeah. minimal as that? Well, because okay. you're not trying to hide anything. Okay. You know. Um, so I guess where would you draw the line for what is altering? Because obviously most obvious ones, card trimming. Yeah. Uh, card people have to put up with that all the time. Yes. You take your uh, whitened edges or damaged edges and you take millimeters off of it. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the damage is gone. Yeah. Uh, corners as well, you can round them out or square cut them, whatever you do. So we both agree trimming is... Yes. Altering, not allowed. Yeah, it's altering Can't do for that. sure. Yeah. Okay. And then there's inking, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Retouch. altering, can't do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so then we go into the world of polishing. Mm-hmm. And you talked about this with cellophane here. If you were to clean it, let's say we were to remove a sticker. Mm-hmm. I think we can both agree that's fine. Take mm-hmm. it off. Yeah. So with polishing, and I haven't been able to do this myself, but I'm pretty sure it is possible. You can take your cellophane and buff it, polish it, fill in scratches. You can make it nicer, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, would that be altering or would that be restoration? That's fine. Yeah, it's difficult. I think if anything is um, ingrained on the surface of something, like something has changed from its original state, it's not just a surface layer or something like that. It's, I don't know, I don't have any experience with it, so it's hard okay. for me to like say if it's good or not. <laughs> Because <laughs> I haven't seen like befores and afters and yeah, there's some people on Instagram now posting some stuff of like you know uh, game restoring, fixing mm-hmm. whatever they want to call it. Yeah, it's still very niche. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the effects are super effective. Yeah, or not, but it, it's going to be something that's going to come up more and more mm-hmm. because polishing. We're dealing As the with value plastic. Goes up, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, and we talk about pressing these books. That's one of the most common things in comics. We could be talking about a world where you are polishing cellophane. Mm-hmm. to increase from uh, a plus to an a plus plus yeah and i guess going one step here so with cards it's actually become i don't want to say a problem depends how you look at it but you can polish the surface of cards as well and this is becoming more popular i've heard something about that okay. but I, I don't know uh, you'll have to tell me more about it so you can get this product essentially again you just put it on the hollow foil of your card and you rub it buff it whatever and it will remove scratches from the hollow foil I don't know if it's filling those in or if it's um, doing a buff process, a fill process. Like it, it'll, it, it absolutely does work. Like the videos, unless the videos are fake. I mean, they're making cards look a lot nicer. I don't know if you can turn nines into tens or if you can just turn sixes into eights. But using a polish, essentially, you can really increase the uh, condition. Then a lot of people are arguing again that this is altering. Mm-hmm. this should not be allowed psa has to reject all these cards if there's um i don't know if it's detectable is the thing because you're putting it on you're wiping it and then you're taking it off right so i don't know if it's detectable hmm. via any means hmm. but you can increase condition using these polishes how do you feel about that oh where are lines drawn on this stuff that's a good question you know i don't really know um <laughs> Part of me says if you're filling in a scratch um, that's there and and not just something that can be cleaned off, 
yeah, it's probably altering. Yeah, so I think it's like, if you can figure out a way to detect it, then that would be the, uh, the kind of defining factor for polishing, card polishing. So assuming you can't, you're fine with it. No, I mean, I, I don't <laughs> so, think that... So trimming. <laughs> I don't think that affects my, my opinion of it, but I mean, I think, you know, I think you would have to figure out a way to detect it first. Uh, but the, by, by that, then, you would polish? Not personally. I don't think I would. Okay. But I think if you're going to grade stuff, the grading company needs to be able to figure out a way to, to detect it on the cards. So why would you not polish if you can get a higher grade and it's I, I think, detectable? I think if you're filling in something, you're, you're trying to hide a defect. Rather than it's not it's not superficial anymore. Something is permanently altered, shall we say? It's like a rip in a cellophane. I don't know. That's kind of how I think about it. If so you're trying if there to was like a way to melt the cellophane back together, I think that would be that would altering. Be altering, yeah, and that would be not okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's um, beyond just a simple cleaning at that point. Do you know what retro braiding is? Retro braiding, brighting, brighting. Yeah, like say you have a yellow snes and you turn it not yellow. Oh. Yeah, I I remember something about that. Was that the altering? <laughs> I know I'm hitting you with a bunch of. I don't actually remember the process that's involved in that. I but think it's just like, some chemicals and stuff, and you put it in the sun, and it you know yeah. takes away the yellow hue, or I don't, yeah. I don't know. Probably, I don't know. <laughs> We're splitting hairs here, so it's like. <laughs> hey, it's funny you you say it's splitting hairs, but this is some of the most like you know if we're gonna be in the world of grading and yeah. talking about it and stuff, this is the stuff that makes. Um, like it can be literally hundreds of thousands of dollars difference if yeah, we're talking in the about top end, what yeah. is altering yeah. versus what is restoration. Yeah. Because if you get a green label, a qualified label, yeah. um, you're dead. Like that's like, you're dead, done. That's yeah, the value sure. shock. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> no matter what we talk about here, it is the differentiation of getting a universal label versus a qualified label. Right. And I mean, I, maybe it's a hot take, uh, polishing. I don't care. Like I, don't i don't know yeah <laughs> i know some of the pokemon community was like blowing up about it because you know you're increasing the condition of stuff and it's it, people doing this are altering cards lying mm -hmm. to psa and stuff yeah and in my head it's like hey if we have this undetectable methodology <clears throat> of polishing or improving condition or doing this stuff um are people mad that it is altering Right. Is, is it a moral quandary here? Like people are just like, oh, I just, you know, the purity of these cards, the condition we all, we ought to maintain that for the hobby. Or are people just upset that if polishing can go through undetectably and you can increase the condition of stuff that your PSA 9, your PSA 10 loses value tremendously. Mm. Yeah. Um, it becomes less special if you can, you know, turn an 8 into a 9, turn a 9 into a 10. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but feel people aren't mad that this exists in a moral vacuum. They're mad that this exists in a way that could severely affect things. It's hard to, it's hard to formulate an opinion about it because I don't really collect cards. Okay. Um, you know, like, let's say you have a, a collectible card that's, that has a slight roll to it. It doesn't sit flat on the table. You press it. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Of course yeah. you do. Yeah. No different than a comic book. I'm, I'm pretty fine with that, to be honest. Um, people I, will press corners too in vices. Like you say, you have a dog-eared corner of a card. Mm -hmm. You can put it in like a vice with uh, soft, you know, at the sides, and mm -hmm. you can like you can't perfectly fix a dog ear, but you can, you know, get yeah. it like like a comic book. If you have a dog-eared comic, yeah, as you long can as get the, it a lot, as long as the color isn't uh, broken on the mm -hmm. on the card, then yeah. Um, 
I honestly thought about pressing boxes too when I was collecting um, complete in box SNES games. Yeah, uh, uh, people absolutely do. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great way to preserve the structure of a box. Make Makes it look, look a lot better. Yes, for sure. And you're not really changing the original composition of the box. You're just kind of Im- improving the structure and eye appeal. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess if if polishing kind of alters the compositional structure of the hollow foil, then I guess it should be considered restoration. Then get at it the out end of, of the day. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like it's it's. I don't and know, the, but then if you I, can't detect it, know, what's the what's like, the point even talking if it, about? If it can be detected, I guess. I just don't know if I consider it to be. I don't know. Yeah. Like it feels like one of those things where, if you can just repair this stuff, um, have we been valuing the wrong thing? Have we been overvaluing certain aspects? Then, if you can correct this in an undetectable manner. Is that a, <coughs> a a wake up call? I guess for what we are valuing or how we should be valuing certain <laughs> things, uh, ver- condition versus rarity, so to speak, right? Yeah. So take first edition Charizard for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, PSA ten, I believe there's around one hundred of them on the pop report. First edition Charizard in general is not rare. I think most people would agree with that. Right. Um, it's just not a rare card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot, a lot of things way more rare than a first edition Charizard. A lot of comics, even I guess you could kind of say, aren't rare depending on what you want to use as a benchmark yeah it's true when i was doing my look up there for amazing fantasy or not or sorry for uh the amazing spider-man number one i believe there were four or five thousand in the census across all grades Mm -hmm. um again it depends what you want to use as your definition of rarity but is four or five thousand copies of something rare yeah well i mean i guess you know when you're thinking of the relative size of the population of collecting community that, I guess that really is what decides what is or isn't rare. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, people have been collecting comic books for how many years? Like, even before Golden well, Age. Well, you were saying your guy in the 80s there was buying these. Oh, I mean, people have been, like, <laughs> preserving comic books since the 50s. Yeah. Like, it's been, you know, it was a childhood thing to do. My dad did it when he was a kid. Really? They had, like, they would trade comics with each other as kids. And my dad is older, so he he was born in the late 30s. So in the 40s... You know, they were buying comic books and trading with their friends. Oh, that's cool. That was, you know, was the yeah, thing. I wish my dad had a hobby <laughs> like that. It was the thing to do. So, you know, comic book collecting has been around a really long time. And it's a pretty big collecting community, too. Well, yeah, it's funny. I, I'm sitting here saying, like, oh, it's 4,000 something rare, you know. We have the sealed video game <clears throat> hobby where Ocarina of Time has, like, three or 400 copies on the pop report. And, right. you know. <laughs> a lot of critics of the hobby will hop on their thing and be like, Oh my God, like 300 copies. There's, there's, there's endless amounts of them out there. Mm-hmm. And it really is just, uh, how small this hobby is. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nothing when you think about it with comics. Uh, no, <laughs> it, it, compared to any other hobby, right? Trading yeah. cards, comics, whatever you want to say, yeah. like <laughs> 300 to something. And that would be like, like what's a comic, I guess that's actually just like straight up rare. Does the need condition just like straight up. That is a rare book to find. I mean, the first thing I think about is the Twisted Metal 2 promo book. There's okay. only like, you know, maybe 40 in existence. Oh, or something. really? 40, 50. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> they only printed 100 copies. There we go. And, yeah. You know, most of them are MIA. So <laughs> there's only five graded, I think. Yeah. Wow. Nine, six is the highest grade. So, so that gets into the level of, you know, objective, objective rarity. Yeah. There. And if, you know, who's to say you increase the population, would it be a valuable book? 
Probably not. I know. That's, that's, that's a funny thing, too, is, yeah. you know, there might only be 50 people looking for it. Yeah. So thank God there's only 40. Yeah. And supposedly, you know how that book was uh, first kind of discovered. It was people trying to put together a complete DC comic set. And they're like, I can't find this Twisted Metal book anywhere to complete my DC published comic set. It's by DC, hey? Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. DC published it. Yeah. What did DC have to do with Twisted Metals? How did that? They, I guess they... They contracted them for the the promotion giveaway for this one shot comic. It was oh, a promo crazy. comic for Twisted Metal Two, so DC was the publisher. <laughs> like Marvel was the publisher of the Resident Evil promo comic. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, it's, it's totally random. Yeah, it really is. I wish we would have gotten more like just more comics of video games. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what that makes me yeah. wish we had. Yeah, and that's kind of why I think I was collecting artwork for it too, because it's like, oh, these like one shot promo. Comics are so cool, and they're kind of rare and interesting. So, yeah, yeah. As a video game person, yeah, you, you found kind of the best of mm -hmm. all yeah. The it's kind of like uh, yeah, a little cross pollination there for sure. Yeah. So if stuff can be repaired, then would you? Did, I guess <clears throat> even in your own collecting, you do art a lot. So I guess you have fully gone to the side of objective rarity versus condition. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, when there's only one of something, you know, I mean, obviously it doesn't matter if you like damage it in some way <laughs> well, <laughs> obviously but you know yes at the end no, of the day because at the end of the day that's the only the, one exactly so even if it has you know a big oil spill on it it's like well that's the that's still, the one yeah so that's like you know rest where restoration really um obviously it does have some impact on the perceived value of it but when it's the only one of something you're going to get it restored yeah, I was gonna. That's, I guess, what my next question is gonna yeah. be. Can if it's you, a comic, can you do book. restoration on art. Oh yeah, of course. But like, do people want that? Yeah, yeah. You know what? What comes to mind? Actually, <laughs> don't look at me like that. Yeah. <laughs> these are genuine. Oh yeah, like <laughs> what do you mean, you idiot? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> uh, no. So there's a very specific piece I think of, and it's the um, uh, what is it? Slime World. Do you know that Sega Genesis box? Kind of, but like, no. Yeah. So it's Todd's like Todd's adventure in slime world. Or yeah. Something? Yeah. It's yeah, like a okay. guy on the front with like a gun and it's like, a the actual cover is, is in a, uh, landscape format. So it's like a front and back piece. Okay. Um, that art got, I think, was it cracked in half? It was bent in half or something. And so the, the artist restored the, the, the crack down the middle. Like the original, artist the original. Did. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. that doesn't, like, affect anything? I mean, maybe, but I don't think someone buying that who really wants it would care that much. What if it wasn't the original artist doing some kind of restoration on a piece? I I think it's if it's done professionally, I don't think it really matters. That's interesting. Yeah, because you have people restoring, you know, 500-year-old uh, oil paintings, like Renaissance paintings. It's just... Then why just do we hate it so much in collectibles? Well, because there's multiple copies. <laughs> that is... <laughs> That's why, so, you know, Yeah. imagine, I mean, I'm just going to posit this forward and see what you think about it. But okay. imagine there's only one Amazing Fantasy 15 in the world, one copy in the world. Are you going to let some kind of visual, you know, thing on it impacted the way it looks? Or are you going to get it restored so it's preserved for all time? Yeah, I mean, I would go down the restoration route. Yeah, like yeah. And that's that's kind of how old signage works, too. Like, um... <clears throat> My teacher I was talking about who collected comics, he uh, he does pulp stuff now. So the shadow is what he collects. Okay. And he has signs, like advertisement signs from the 1930s. And 
a lot of these he's found in horrible states of disrepair, but there's like only one or two known signs in the world. So he gets them professionally restored. And they are worth more once restored yes. than in. Yes. See, that's such because a... Because you're preserving something for but the long term. But you're... You know that it's completely altering the condition that it was that isn't... Like, you're making something that wasn't. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, but it's not a replicable collectible like a comic uh, is. With firearms, coins, mm -hmm. isn't patina and stuff like you can't remove it? Yes. Like, patina don't you have does to, like, matter that? for coins. Yes. As far as I know, I don't, I'm not like... Yeah, neither. Yeah. I just, <clears throat> oh man, the rules of restoration but, and altering and you know, stuff, it's funny how it... Yeah, again, with coins and stuff, you you generally have so many examples. So most people, instead of investing in restoration, would want to just buy a better copy. You know, it's not really possible with, like, a lot of these old signs and eph ephemera. I think it's really because it's ephemera. It's not meant to be kept. What's ephemera? Any kind of, like, uh, material that's, like, say, a flyer. You're okay. Not, you're not meant to keep that. It's meant to be thrown away. So like any kind of signage, stuff like that, it's all considered ephemera. So I think restoring that kind of stuff is almost the culturally responsible thing to do <laughs> because none of that was meant to be kept and a lot of it degrades with time. Kind of like artwork too does, you know, so yeah. you have to make sure it's preserved. But like a comic book, you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands. So if it's mass produced, yeah. um, then it's, it kind of changes how I do think you think so. the hobby it's I think it changes the perception of the the importance of it. Yeah, for sure. Depending on how many copies of something there are. Ah, it's just it's so it's interesting. It, yeah. Because in my head when we start talking about all these different categories, all these different stuff, and you know, you can restore that, you can't restore that, like firearms you want to leave alone, coins leave alone, mm -hmm. but like signs, I'll make them brand new, right? Yeah. Or even cars, right? Like you can restore originals in mint will be worth more, but you can like restore them up, give them, you know, mm -hmm. a time paint job and it, it's just so weird that in the grading hobbies and stuff, it's so, so, so evil. Yeah. Evil. It's the only way to like, you're a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, with polishing, right? Like yeah. you are a bad person. Yeah. If you're polishing cards, how dare you? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think, you know, a lot of that also, also is like, it's motivated by other things, you know, like you're trying to increase the value of something. But, you know, when you restore like an old sign, you're not just, you are trying to increase the value, but you're also trying to preserve it which is important if there's only one or two of these things known. So grading has ruined everything. Is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, are, we, are we better off without it? Grading was really the solution to people selling comic books for way more than they should have. Oh, for sure. You know, it was the answer to personal bias, whether we like it or not, or however we feel about it now. It was the answer to someone in the 90s or 80s saying this book is in very fine condition. That's what they, you know, there was like a, uh, that's what they used for book grading. It's like fine, very fine. Yeah, excellent. Near mint, yeah. 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 So, you know, it was it was kind of a way to protect yourself from someone who said something was a very fine, but it wasn't. Or counterfeits. Yeah, counterfeits. The thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the yeah. biggest thing, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm joking when I say grading ruined everything, but it's... It, <laughs> well, it, that's it, the pleb view of it, for sure. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I say it facetiously as, you know, a joke, <laughs> but you can you can talk to a lot of people in this hobby who will just say that grading ruined um, the way we interact with hobbies, the way yeah. the hobby is, the prices, <clears throat> everything about it. Yeah. I'm somewhere more... Like, obviously, I do graded stuff. I like grading stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle. Like, I'm not... I think some people are, like, too bought in to grading. Yeah. Where they, like... I don't know. Drink the Kool-Aid, I guess. 
I like to think I'm more on the side of like, I know what it is. I know where the shortcomings are. I still mm-hmm. use it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. But I understand where it has failures. Yeah. I guess. Well, I, you know, honestly, it will, it will be never, it'll never be perfect as long as it has the, the human element. Uh, do you it. want AI grading? Like, would you be okay with that? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's a thing where the less bias you have, the better. Yeah, in theory, right? That's the whole reason for it existing in the first place. Because, like, there are AI graders now with cards. Yeah. None of them have gained any popularity. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I mean, it's just too new. You okay. Know, maybe let's talk to each other in 50 years and see. Do you, do you think, like, the major companies will eventually adopt an AI grading system? I would think so. Yeah. If it gets to that point and it removes the, uh, the error of human element, yeah, probably. A lot of people argue that the error of human element is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> Could be a very bad Say thing, Say hello too. 9.8, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's both good and bad. So, And even the grading companies, if you move over to a uh, an AI-based grading, right, mm-hmm. that's objective. Yeah. Um, you can no longer resubmit or resubmitting would, the, the grading company would lose that entire revenue flow of yeah. people resubmitting stuff. Yeah. That's true. So... Yeah, I guess they would, it would. You'd have to really figure out what the uh, balance on the books would be. You yeah, know, it, it, is it's, the monetary cost worth it? You know, that's that's really what it comes down to. But I mean, I you know, I don't really care one way or the other. I think the uh, the most objective grading possible is why we do it in the first place. But also, there's you know this leeway of you know you miss something or or you t- we were too hard on this yeah. thing so we turned a nine into a 10 on the next try yeah, yeah that's great. right <laughs> that's fantastic yeah so yeah. I, I don't know if we'll ever get there just because of this because of the uh the monetary aspect of everything but in a perfect world yeah i agree we want to see so what are you saying cgc is a money grab thanks for tuning in <laughs> they're on to us yeah seriously you know like i I don't mean to come off so cynical or negative no i mean you know i use grading yeah like make no mistake yeah it's a a tool it's a tool yes you know an imperfect one unfortunately yeah Um, i want it to be better yeah i I guess that's the biggest thing i talk about this stuff and i want to have conversations like this that are not the greatest conversations to have Mm -hmm. because it implies a lot of bad stuff taking place when it's a lot better to just think that everything's perfect Mm -hmm. they're you know the grading company has our best interest in mind that's a lot better to think. Um, having these conversations, <laughs> well, first, I want to make sure everyone is on the same page. Everyone's aware of the shortcomings that exist in this hobby. If you're going to partake, you're going to put thousands, hundreds, whatever into this, be aware just of, you know, the shortcomings that exist within this world mm-hmm. of grading. And then secondly, I want it to be as good as it can possibly be. Yeah. I want to have these conversations and hopeful that it does spark discussion that could become something that becomes better. Yeah. It's well, like, I mean, I think, you know, when it comes down to it, there's a lot of evolving that we can do because gr- games as a collectible are so incredibly complex. You know, well, we're, we're doing, it's funny cause we're doing 3d objects now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, both open and sealed, you know, there's, there's so many factors at play uh, when it comes down to game grading and collecting that there's just, I think that it'll naturally evolve over time just because we are constantly learning things. Yeah. You know, I agree. I yeah. agree. All and these different seal types. and Even yeah. with the CGC scandal, you know, the reholder thing, we'll probably get better security measures. Yeah. Like the next 10 years are probably going to be better off because of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so 
What was the sacrifice? The f- yeah, exactly <laughs> for right. You to save the many. <laughs> like everyone else is going to be doing great. You're screwed, but we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I wasn't in the hobby. Oh. But uh, thinking about getting into it now, like it sounds like things are safe. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see where it goes from there, basically. Yeah. But that's what I'm going to leave you with. So make sure to rate and review the episode. It really helps us out. And if you have your own opinions, because I know you guys do on altering and all this stuff with grading, reach out in the Discord. We're always in there. If you have comments, put them in there. And uh, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk with you. Jeremy might talk with you. So go from there. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.